Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, episode number 102. <sighs> it's Monday. We're here with another results and recap, this time for UFC Vegas 27. And Dominic, I'm just going to say it off the top here, our first time doing video predictions, and they were some of the worst predictions I have ever made in my life. This is true, and now we are no longer a video podcast. No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, um, tough night of picks, but overall, I think that kind of leads to more excitement on the card when you don't always get what you're expecting. You know, there's a lot of surprises on here, and we're going to get into them. And um, overall, pretty good night of fights. Um, some big questions answered, especially in the co-main and main event about yeah, for sure. our winners. Um, so a lot to talk about there. But since we're starting a new week here, how are you doing, my friend? I know you went to a Cincinnati Reds baseball game today. Yeah, if you're looking on YouTube and I'm looking a little red like our logo, it's because <laughs> I just sat the sun for three and a half hours and I'm burnt to a crisp. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm fresh out of that Cincinnati Reds game, another loss for the Reds, but... <laughs> First time being to a Reds game in like two years, so it was a good time. I uh, had some fun with my my dad and a couple friends, and now we're here recording a podcast. Noah, your weekend, how was it? Uh, can't complain. You know, a lot. I'm a big I'm a big porch drinker now. Is anybody else? Where are my porch drinkers at out there? Anybody? <laughs> Let us know in the comments, huh? I don't know. I, I will say I I have noticed <laughs> this. I don't know if it was just it just so happened that two random tweets came across my eyes about the same topic, but I saw two different tweets this weekend about porch drinking. And because of that, I'm wondering if there's a movement in the making. (laughs) And if so, I'm all on board about porch drinkers unite. It's clearly a sign. Yeah. Our second, our second podcast is going to be just porch drinking with Dom and Noah. (laughs) That's what it is. Yeah. But uh, I guess it was a little less exciting than yours, but (laughs) I'm glad to be back here, ready to record another podcast with of you, course, my friend. And before we kind of get into all the action from Saturday night, let's start with the news. The news. Fight announcements. Only one to get into here, and it's a welterweight True. fight. We got Kevin Lee making his debut in the welterweight division. He announced that just probably a week ago. Well, not so debut, was- but return. Yeah, uh, re-debut, if you Re-debut. Um, he just announced that he was making this uh, switch, what, like a week ago? Yeah, we talked about at least some rumblings of him going on that kind of Twitter rant, calling out yeah. everybody. Uh, but now he's got a fight. Yeah, and it's uh, against Sean Brady, probably the biggest prospect in the welterweight yeah. division. So, mm. Dominic, I know you're big on Sean Brady right now. This is happening July 10th, UFC 264. That's the Connor dustin trilogy card yeah what are your thoughts here big stage for these two i'm excited to see kevin lee back we talked about Mm -hmm. this again like you said last week or whenever that was he's a phenomenal athlete a great fighter he's shown great moments but also had some downfalls uh his one welterweight fight was against rda again that's pretty tough out for anyone but now he's coming back to welterweight against sean brady undefeated 13th in the division a wrestling just dog grinds people out man but kevin lee's background is also in wrestling so it is a good stylistic fight do two wrestles cancel each other out do we see more striking because i'd have to lean more toward kevin lee in the striking just because of what we've seen so far from sean brady we haven't seen as much of it from him but i think stylistically very good fight again brady like i said is an absolute dog i'm looking forward to that one very much yeah i um I, I definitely have to respect Kevin Lee for taking this fight because it's just proving, once again, Kevin Lee does not take easy fights. Whether you love him or hate him for his personality, this is a really tough fight to be making a re-debut in a new division with. Considering Kevin Lee is kind of a tweener between that 155 and 170 divisions, and yeah. Sean Brady is a big 170-pounder. Oh, yeah. So because of the size difference – I'm going to lean towards Brady when it comes to the actual wrestling, which is what both guys are known for. But you're right. Kevin Lee has made some growth in his striking, as shown in the Gregor Gillespie fight where he head-kicked that man into the (laughs) shadow realm. Yeah. Um, But that's going to be a tough fight to keep on the feet for two guys that are so good at what they – their bread and butter, you know, being wrestling. 
Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, I'm excited mm-hmm. for that one. Not too far away. Maybe a main card, maybe a prelim headliner. Either way, it's going to be a good fight. Agreed. That's going to be all for our fight announcements. But as for the rest, just Bellator 259 results and recap to go through now. Yeah, and um, I think it's fair to say, Dom. You know the card was pretty pretty stacked on paper, but um, not the best fights overall. Yeah, uh, we start uh, the main event. Chris Cyborg retains her title. TKO's Leslie Smith. Four minutes fifty one oh, seconds around five. Um, Leandro Higo does get a split decision win over Darian Caldwell, kind of avenging a previous loss to Caldwell. Yeah. I forgot to mention that on Friday. And then Austin Vanderford stays undefeated, defeats Fabian Edwards via unanimous decision. But does yeah, but doesn't leave unscathed. <laughs> yeah. Does have a huge cut on his forehead. Well, any big takeaways here or things of note, really? Um, okay, so I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Vanderford and Edwards because I was really excited for that one. Vanderford's wrestling showed he's next level. Uh, and we know how great of a wrestler he is, so it's not a surprise. Fabian's a great striker and showed he had the advantage in the striking, but it was the wrestling of Vanderford that played the biggest factor. He held him down. Good ground and pound. Fabian did land some nasty elbows, as we alluded to with that cut that Vanderford had. It was disgusting. But elbows from the bottom aren't enough when you're just getting mauled on top for yeah, 12 sure. minutes or whatever the time was. And honestly, I think, and even uh, Josh Thompson on the broadcast is saying, Vanderford probably is going to be next in line for the title. Um, they have a fight lined up for Yegar Musasi. I forget who it is off the top of my head. I believe it's the number two ranked guy in the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin was third or fourth coming into this. He's undefeated. I think Vanderford earned a shot at the title next. A lot of that, I mean, you got to look at the name value too. I mean, Vanderford is a bigger name for Bellator considering his relationship with Paige Van Zandt. Among, yeah. Obviously, also, he is an undefeated fighter. Yeah. There is some excitement with that as well. But, you know, that's going to definitely give him an edge over some of these other guys who. You know, the second and third ranked guys, while I can't remember their names, they both, I think, have two losses in the 20s of wins. That's a really good record. Yeah. But, you know, these guys aren't necessarily got the name value of someone like Vanderford, and he's undefeated. Yeah. Um, so definitely, a, probably a, I don't know if you can say he played it safe because he did. It did turn into a bit of a bloodbath, but um, <laughs> stuck to what he's good at and got a good win there. Um, I want to talk about the main event. And uh, Leslie to. Smith, man. Hey, put, tough as tough, they come. I'll give tough her that. Tough so tough. But this fight should have been probably over in the first round if you're Chris Cyborg. I mean, how do you let this fight go till almost till the whole five rounds? It was a very patient Chris Cyborg. Not used to mm-hmm. seeing that. So she's still showing the improvements in her game, her evolution, I guess like you should say. I thought there was a clear opening in the first round where she could have finished. But she played it really patiently. And she put on a five-round beat down. I mean, it was, it wasn't even close. Uh, and then in the fifth round, she's like, yeah, you know what? Let's stop her now. Literally with nine seconds left in the fifth, she gets the TKO finish. Leslie Smith again, tough as they come. She stood in there. She had her, yeah, you know, she landed some shots. I wouldn't say she had her moments. I almost said that, but I stopped myself. But Leslie <laughs> looked good, you know, but it's cyborg. That It's cyborg. Another level. There's no one close right now. And I'm curious to see what they'll do next in terms of like a title uh, contender for her. But yeah, it was just cyborg domination. Yeah. And I mean, really, it felt like most of these fights were pretty one sided. I mean, the co main event, uh, Higo and Caldwell was a little more back and forth, but I'm not the most exciting of fights yeah, there either. So I really thought that fight was going to deliver, but it was. That was the, the one, one I was most excited ended in for. A stoppage. You know? Yeah. And this one was just, eh. A lot of wrestling, mm-hmm. grappling, but not too much ground and pound. Not a lot of submission attempts. I don't know. So it wasn't the best night of fights, but overall we did learn some things. So that's good yeah. at least. Yeah. That's going to wrap it up for today's edition of The News. The News. Let's get into UFC Vegas 27. Yes, sir. You know, probably again, uh, this this is once again not necessarily the best card when it comes to what delivered, but a lot of notable, I guess, outcomes here there's a lot to talk about a lot to get into as far as what's next for a lot of these guys but before we kind of talk about the main card that we previewed on friday let's get into our prelim notables dom yes sir we're gonna start with you bruno silva two (laughs) wins two months i should have reworded that two wins 
two finishes two months. He looked <laughs> unbelievable last night. Hey, we only got to see him in the octagon for one minute on the dot, but man, did he deliver fireworks for that 60 seconds. He KOs Victor Rodriguez with a nasty, nasty right cross after he set it up with a knee in the mm-hmm. clinch, got the KO victory. That man was break dancing, going to his post-fight interview. Very impressed with Bruno Silva. Now he's on a two-fight win streak. He's 12-5, and five, so not the flashiest of records, but as of late, man, he seems to be putting it together. Going to put his name uh, up near that top 15 now, I'd have to imagine, for the flyweights, man. So Bruno Silva, my UFC Vegas 27 prelim notable, looked as good as you can for 60 seconds, man. Yeah, that's a good good, <laughs> good pick there. I was very impressed with Bruno Silva. Very impressed with his breakdancing skills as well. Yeah, yeah we can't do as, that. <laughs> as he was going to get interviewed, he did a little breakdance, and I was like, oh, shit. So you're a like, dancer now. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was like. Oh, man, I cannot do that. But uh, my pick is actually going to be from the very first fight of the night in the lightweight division, Demir Ismagulov getting that win over Rafael Alves. I love people. This is not going to be the most, I guess, if you're looking for like a notable performance, this this performance isn't necessarily the most decisive or, you know, there's some holes here. Early on, Alves looked like he might even potentially finish this fight. I mean, he dropped Ismagulov very early in this fight mm-hmm. and um, kind of pounced on him, but Demir was able to bounce back, get the fight to the ground, and ultimately ground and pound him and get the win. Yeah. But this is a guy in Demir who hasn't fought since August of 2019 in a winning effort in that fight over Tiago Moises, who is now a top 15 lightweight. Yeah. So to come in here and almost two years off and to just get a very solid win over a guy who was really tough and Alves puts him right back in in line kind of where he was, where he's a borderline top 15 guy now. Yeah. Like he, he's really knocking on the door, and I could even see him getting top 15 next. Maybe he'll need to get one more because he did take a lot of time off, and this right. wasn't the best performance, I guess. Yeah, um, It wasn't one-sided, I'll put it that way. But he, he looked good at what he does. He, he got the fight to the ground, and he did had some really nice ground and pound, and that's that's what you look for with him. So oh, yeah. um, really be on the lookout for him. I think he's going to be um, – chasing contenders here pretty soon 100 and that win against tiago as you mentioned he's ranked now it just looks better and better moises coming up with a fight against Islam <laughs> so imagine if moises can pull that off that win's looking really good for him so yeah we'll yeah. be on the lookout for sure sure uh but that's gonna wrap up the prelim notables and we're gonna get straight into the main card here opening bout there ain't too many bouts that are going to be better on paper than this one for a fight night opener. Oh, man. You got Jack Hermanson getting the unanimous decision win over Edmund Shabazi. And this was the one fight we differed on in our predictions, Dom. And, True. Um, really, this is probably the one fight that I would say we got pretty spot on as far as how this fight would go if yeah. it went either way. Um, Shabazi looked fantastic early. First round, his striking very clean. Hermanson's got a bit of a wonky, uh, a bit of an awkward striking style. Uh, never, whenever he's going up against really good strikers, he just never looks very comfortable right. on the feet, kind of like how he did against Marvin Vittori. Um, so then, yeah, Edmund after, was piecing him up, man. And after round one, it looked like Edmund was going to really kind of like take it to the next level in round two and maybe get a finish, is what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, however, round two, it started off with Shabazi and still kind of, I mean, they were kind of more of a fe- more feeling out process, but then Hermanson gets it to the ground in round two yeah, and kind of controls the fight for the majority of it. And then round three. Oh man. Oof. I mean, that's uh, a 10, 10 eight. round. That's when you look at 10, eight rounds, that's one of them that should be high up on your definition to yeah. see like, okay, this is a 10, eight. He dominated yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, got nasty ground and pounding even at the end was, I mean, you could have, you could argue that fight could have been finished in the last five seconds. That's how bad he was hurting yeah. at the end. Jack um, poured sh- it on. And for Shabazian, this is another disappointment for him because this is a guy who a lot of those flaws that we saw in the Derek Brunson fight were shown again here. And, and is this a reason why you you were not a fan of this fight to begin with when they made yeah. it? And here yeah. here you go. Look what happened. It's, you're exactly right. This is going to be my point. Is that. 
even though I thought he might have a chance to win this fight, I picked him to win this fight. I knew going in here, this was a very dangerous fight for a kid who's so young, yeah, who has so much potential, so much promise coming off the first loss of his professional MMA career, a devastating one at that one where he got dominated. You need, I'm not saying you need a tune-up fight. UFC doesn't do tune-up fights, right? but take a step back, recognize that this kid is still so young. Ty just got pushed, man. pushed a little too soon and give him someone a little lower than Jack or Manson, a former Bellator champion, a former, I mean, a guy who could be a title challenge. This guy was top three at one point, man. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, arguably you gave him a tougher fight than Derek Brunson, depending <laughs> on what, the, what happens if those two ever fight. Yeah. So it's like, it, to me, it just didn't make a lot of sense to make this fight, but I was like, okay, Edmund sounded very confident coming in. I would I wouldn't go as far to say that this fight was a domination or anything like right. that. Even though round three was very much a a exclamation point on this fight, uh, you could have honestly I could have seen this fight being scored a draw. I could see round two going to Shabazian. That's yeah, how the, it was that's possible. how the that's how the commentary ta- uh, team was kind of leaning. Uh, however. Uh, I scored it for Hermanson, as did probably most people. Yeah. And Hermanson gets a big win here. What were kind of your thoughts on the fight? As you mentioned, it went exactly how we predicted it. And, I mean, Edmund's striking is disgusting. He's a great striker, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't cover up the clear flaws in his game. But, again, two fights in a row that he's lost but still so much upside for this kid. He's 23 years old, and he's got six fights in the UFC. Look at the guys he's fought already, these big names. So he will bounce back, but it's a matter of if you're the UFC now, you got to pump the brakes. you got to let him develop more. you got to, again, not tune-up fights because those don't exist in the UFC, but you can't just throw him in with straight killers back-to-back-to-back-to-back, especially if you're losing. He's, He's so young, and the potential's there. Let him evolve. Let him grow. Work on the flaws. His striking is up there with the top in this weight class. So if he can put it all together, we're far from seeing the last of Edmund Shabazian. Uh, for Jack Hermanson, he grappled. He ground and pounded. He looked great. Now on the feet, Jack is good, but Edmund is just a level above, and that's why the difference was there in the striking. But Jack is still just so game. It was his ninth win in the middleweight division. It's the most among, like I think, the active guys right now in the division. And I was very impressed. Um We've seen him grapple before and get submissions and such, but you don't see the vicious ground and pound like that. And hats off to Edmund for not getting finished because that would have finished a lot of people. It was brutal ground and pound, man. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, as far as what's next for these guys, Dominic, um, what's probably not going to be talked about enough is what an awkward spot Jack Hermanson kind of is in here. Buddy, I was trying to figure out who should be next. I'm like, wait a minute. Everybody ahead of him is literally booked. Except for – Except for Robert Whitaker, yeah. who, if I'm being honest, Robert Whitaker should not take that fight. He should. No, oh no. gosh, he no. can wait. But if I'm Jack Hermanson, that's the fight I'm going to try to get because 100%. it's you the one guy try. in front of you. Yeah. I mean, if you really look at the rest of this, you do have a title fight coming up with Adesanya and Vittori, but Vittori is the last guy to beat Jack Hermanson. Exactly. And I mean, if Vittori wins the title, maybe. <laughs> Manson gets a fight with Adesanya. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I do. You have a name in mind here? Winner of Uriah Hall and Sean Strickland is what I went with. Um, simply for parity. I know that they're ranked behind him, but when the whole division's booked, and like you said, Vittori just beat him, and he's fighting for a title now. Uh, Costa Brunson, uh, Till Cannoneer, literally everybody's booked ahead of him. He's not going to fight Kelvin again because he beat him in 40 seconds with a submission. He's in a weird spot. And since he is just coming off of one win, he lost the one before this. I mean, yeah, he could argue and try and get a fight against Rob. Rob won't take that anyway, as you said. So why not just get one more fight in until the division clears out? So I think the winner of Hall and Strickland would be at least make a little bit of sense. It'd be a fresh matchup no matter who it would be. I know it doesn't make a ton of sense for him in terms of wanting to move up in the rankings, but he fought back here. Why not fight back one more time until the division clears out? That was kind of my headspace there. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be taking some time off here because I went with the loser of uh, Derek Brunson, Darren Till. Yeah. A matchup happening in August. 
um, that we hope happens in August anyways. And I think the loser, the winner of that fight will probably be literally in a title eliminator next. Um, so the loser of that fight versus, you know, that's five versus six. Jack's at seven. Right. Uh, a lot of these fights are going to be resolved by then. You know, there'll be more clarity kind of as what path Jack might have for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's around the around the end of the year. Maybe you'll see yeah, him fight yeah. again, and that's that's fine. That's that's he doesn't need to fight um, anybody too low for now. As far as for uh, Edmund Shabazian, unranked boy. opponent, unranked opponent. Just, well, it just so happens there's a very good unranked opponent. Uh, that still has a pretty high name value. That could be a, a good win for Edmund. Ian Heinish, coming off of that loss to Kelvin Gastelum, was ranked 15th, but just got bumped out because of all the moving pieces in the division. It's a guy that could still test him in the wrestling because we know Heinish is a very good wrestler, but it's a, still a step back from a Jack Hermanson. And on mm. the feet, Edmund would still have the advantage there. I think it's a good enough test for Edmund to get his feet wet again before jumping back in to this killer's row in the top 10 of the middleweights. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, I don't have a name in mind. I'm just going to say that he should fight an unranked opponent next. Uh, yeah. He's probably going to drop a few spots from that loss. I mean, these are two back-to-back just really tough losses. So he'd probably, he, I mean, right now he's ranked 10th. He's probably going to drop at least a couple spots, I would say. I Who knows? I, the rankings are kind of random sometimes. So yeah. Who really knows? But, um, yeah, it's a really tough one for him. I, I feel for him. You know, he's still so young. But it, the flaws have shown up both times, and it's just time to kind of recognize where we are with him. And well, take You still have back. so much time to develop this kid. You can't lose out on this potential you have with him so pump the brakes just a little bit a little bit Mm -hmm. next up we were supposed to be talking about a flyweight fight between david dvorak and raleigh and paiva however raleigh and paiva having some uh, weight cutting issues i believe had to go to the hospital yeah it was a bad Um, one so because of that actually david dvorak got the fight uh someone that they kind of pulled from last uh, minute man last minute from and uh, they fought at second fight of the prelims. David Dvorak did get a pretty swift win there, as would be expected. Yeah, he looked uh, like a good, stud. Good for him to kind of stay in there. But because of that, probably the biggest fight from the prelims got moved here to the main card, and it was yeah. Ricardo Ramos who got the uh, decision win over Bill Algio. You named yeah. this decision win. Um, you know, this fight wasn't for, you know, Bill Algio, who's a guy who's had two UFC fights so far. He's one and one. Both have been really fun fights. His win over Spike Carlisle and his loss over um, – He debuted against Ricardo Lamas, man. Yes, thank who you, debuted, Ricardo who, Lamas. Who wants to debut against him? Yeah, and, you know, actually put in a pretty yeah. worthwhile they had, they effort. They had a war, man. Yeah, and Spike Carlisle, he had a really good performance there. So Algio's kind of building a bit of a reputation for himself as being a guy in these exciting fights which is sometimes just as valuable as winning all of them. Right. And he gets this matchup here, loses to Ricardo Ramos. Not ex- exactly the, a war or the most exciting kind of fight, but what were your, what were your thoughts on this one? Technical back-and-forth yeah. battle. This fight was supposed to happen on UFC Vegas 24. We previewed it then, I believe, or it was the day before it fell off or something. Uh, so I'm glad they finally were able to run it, and they did make it to the main card, which is good. Ricardo Ramos, man, he's won three of his last four. He has very flashy technical striking, can get a little wild at times, but really good jiu-jitsu and grappling as well. Algio, pretty precise technical striker, but he's also good at grappling. So I knew this was going to be a fun fight, and I'm glad we got it. Like Noah said, it wasn't like a fight of the night or anything crazy, but it was a fun one, very close fight. Uh, I I didn't pay close enough attention to the third round, if I'm going to be honest. I probably scored it the wrong way. I think Hamos going hindsight here, looking back at it, did win the fight 2-1, to one, clearly, if not a 3-0. And uh, it was exciting. And it's what I expected in terms of the stylistic uh, differences between the two and similarities. Yeah, and I think Ricardo Ramos kind of gets the rub here. He's He was the lesser name of the two coming in here. You know, a lot of hardcore fans – I've really been learning more about Algio. He's kind of been on our radar for a while since his debut. Um, and Ricardo Ramos getting a big win over him here to kind of put some shine on him yeah. as he moves forward here. 
he's probably a guy that's going to be a win away from potentially cracking top 15 as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I put him up against your boy, Cub Swanson. Cubs tied for number 15 right now. I just think with Hamos winning three of his last four, I know he's faltered with the biggest names that he's fought in the UFC, but not without some, you know, toughness and grit in those losses. Why not give him a guy that's a big name tied for 15th, which I still think is stupid. I don't think he should be tied for rankings, but I digress. Coming off of a loss, it'd be a big name for him, back-to-back, decent-sized names. Why not give him a little bit of a test here, see if he can't pass? Um, I'm not opposed to seeing him fight Cub Swanson. I just – I think the – I don't know if I'm quite ready to see him get top 15. I don't know if a win over Bill Algio really warrants that yet just because, I mean, Algio's beaten Spike Carlisle, who also has kind of struggled to really win in his UFC career. And then before that, yes, he did have a really good performance with Ricardo Lamas, but uh, still one that he lost. So I, I don't know if I'm quite ready to say that for Ricardo Ramos, but – a name like Cub Swanson will really that'll really test you. Yeah. So uh, yeah. if that's what the UFC wants to do, then they will get an answer for sure. Yeah. And any fight that Algio gets next, I'm going to be looking forward to. I'm I'm a big fan of this guy already. Three mm-hmm. fights into his career, so I'm going to be following him no matter what happens next. He'll bounce back. I don't doubt that. Yeah. And if he has an exciting fight style like he's shown to have, that's just going to keep the UFC wanting to keep him around more and more, no matter if he's on the wrong side of some really close decisions or not, you know. Exactly. Following that, we had our uh, first of two women's fights of the evening, women's yeah. featherweight fight. Norma Dumont defeats Felicia Spencer via split decision. And I'm going to say a little hot take off the top here, Dom. I think this was the last women's featherweight fight we're ever going to see in the UFC. Oh. <laughs> I was not expecting you to say that. And do you want to know why? I, I would like you to explain, okay. yes. Okay. So, sure, like Felicia Spencer's already lost to Nunez and Cyborg before that. So um, she's by no means looked at as like a like a champion level. Like, you know, she uh, who knows if they would have really, if she had won this, really want to book her and Nunez again. But Norma Dumont wins, and that's a fresh face, right? You go, okay, that's someone who can face Nunez for that belt. <laughs> After winning this fight, Norma gets her post-fight interview and makes it very clear <laughs> that she does not want to fight at featherweight anymore, that she is moving back to bantamweight. And, uh, you know, I don't dislike it for her because she's only 6-1 and one now. 6-1, and yeah. And she even said in the post-fight, she's like, I need a few more fights before I'm, ta- I'm going up against Amanda Nunes. She's like, I don't want to get destroyed like Felicia did for three round- or for five rounds. Like, I want to be ready for when that time comes. And, you know, I kind of respect it. Like, I, I respect that she at least acknowledges that she knows right now she would probably get destroyed by Amanda Nunes. So, if, to her, it's like she wants to be ready if that opportunity comes. You know, that's kind of a similar mindset to what we've seen of Tom Aspinall at heavyweight, where every time he has a post-fight presser, he realizes where his skill is now and where he wants to be before he challenges the big-name guys. So, I do respect that. I'm actually glad you brought that up because I actually didn't even catch the post-fight presser mm-hmm. with her. Disappointing to a certain extent simply because she did earn a title shot because there's no one else and she's on a two-fight yeah. win streak at 145. But if she's saying, hey, I'm not ready, wow, we're in a big question mark period here for this division because they seem to not want to get rid of it so long as Amanda wants to defend it. I don't doubt that she wants to defend it, but if no one's willing to step in there with her, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just calling it how I see it. I mean, this was kind of the fight. It's the last – it's the only women's featherweight bite fight booked right now. Um, Megan Anderson's a free agent, and she had her own uh, kind of – comments that she put out there that the UFC might be looking to close the division. Yeah. Um, and then I believe there was another woman who was uh, Danielle signed, Wolf. Danielle Wolf, who she was originally uh, supposed to fight Felicia. Yeah. And um, I don't know if what happened. I don't know what's happened with her. If she's I think it was just fight. an injury that fell out. Cause she came from the contender series. She's like a world mm-hmm. champion boxer, 145. So, I mean, you have her Norma, Felicia and Amanda. That's your division. And so. Norma – well, Norma said she's going to Bantamweight, so. Yeah. 
I hope that's not a bad weight cut for her because she's very physically big and strong. She looks like a featherweight. So I, I if agree. she can get the nutrition right at the PI, because I know she's been help getting help there with her nutrition and weight cutting. So if she can do it right, by all means, go do it. Because if you're not ready for the title fight, why take the title fight and get pounded, like she said? So I, res- I do respect her coming out and saying that, first and foremost. And I do actually am excited to see how she does if she's able to properly make that move to Bantamweight, because this is back-to-back. Back-to-back impressive performances for her. I was really impressed with her win over Ashley Evans-Smith. And then here against Felicia Spencer, who I really thought would get this fight to the ground and kind of out-grapple her, really wasn't able to do so for the most part. I mean, Norma really just kind of was landing the better shots, and they just kind of went tip for tap for most of the fight. And Norma just kind of won. Just, you know, didn't really have to – it didn't feel like she had to – Neither woman really worked too hard here. It was kind of just going for tip for tat. And, yeah, Felicia um, didn't utilize her grappling as much as I expected, and that's really what the turning point was. It, it just felt like we Norma knew was, the power would go to Norma on the feet. It felt like Norma was always one step ahead here, just yeah, kind of guiding the fight the way she wanted to, to go. I think the strength and, was significant. She's yeah. she's so strong, man. Yeah, she ate, so she could really be a fresh face for bantamweight and switch it up a little bit because we've seen some staleness there. So I, you know, I'm all about. I'm excited to see what's next for her. That's what. And honestly, her wanting to go down to bantamweight, I actually prefer it than her staying at featherweight. Let's be honest. Featherweight's not a division. It's not for women. Yeah, for the women, it's not a division. Champ. And I mean, Amanda Nunes is the goat. And if she wants to keep defending that belt, then I mean, I'm sure they can find people. Yeah. Um, off the street or (laughs) wherever to get in there with her. But I mean, let's just be honest. For someone like. Norma Dumont, who shows a lot of potential, who has looked really good in her last couple fights, this is the right move for her to go yeah. down. If she can make that weight go down and it not hurt her too much, and if she can, she could really grow and you know, kind of be brought along like the prospect she is. And still young. She doesn't have to be on her career. She doesn't have to be fed to the Lions after a couple wins. Yeah. Um, unlike like people like Felicia have had to do, and Megan Anderson's had to do, and. Um, yeah, so I like this move, and even if it kind of spells the end of a division potentially, we shall see what happens. Very intriguing. I'm just so glad you brought up the post fight presser because the one I missed, there's something like that, of course. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Following that, we had our heavyweight fight, and Dominic. I think we're gonna have to gonna have to. Well, I don't know if you 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 you, te- you had more mixed thoughts on this fight. This is my fight of the night pick. Uh, Jared Bandera gets the unanimous decision win over Justin Taffa. This fight was bloody. These guys were slugging at each other. I have to eat my words here. I said if this fight went past the first round, it was going to be a boring fight, and boring it was not. These guys really went in there and were just slinging at each other. Was it the most uh, technical bout? No, I wouldn't say that. But Bandura had some really nice leg kicks, actually, really nice body kicks, and uh, Justin Taffa was – Throwing hams that, yeah. Uh, obviously, the cut. What's so funny about the cut <laughs> that, is it was so small. Yeah, so tiny. But but so deep, dude. It looked like was, it looked like Michael Myers was in the octagon. This last man time. was bleeding everywhere. Oh man, it was uh, a bloodbath. And you know, Dana loved the fight. So good for these two to kind of, you know, both are in kind of tough spots. I mean, Bandura's one and one in the in the promotion. Tafa's one and three. That's a little worse. Um, but if these guys putting on a fight of the night performance like that, the boss likes it, it might keep you around for another fight. Yeah. So uh, I, I have to swallow my my words here because I, I definitely was uh, – I, I looked at this fight and I saw a lot of, uh, you know, Carlos Felipe and Jorgen DeCastro. And- but but this is a good thing that this happened. Like Now, did we sound a little weird on Friday saying the potential of this fight? Yeah, but let's be honest. When the heavyweight fights on these fight nights are like this, 90% of the time they are dull. So it's a good thing this one did deliver because this is what the UFC wants when they put these random heavyweight fights on the main card. This right here, a war or a knockout. We got a war. Now, I didn't overall like fight of the night top to bottom. I didn't call it that. But fight of the night on the main card, it has to be. And it was fun. Slinging leather. 
blood everywhere, just power shot after power shot. They were getting tired, but kept fighting through it. And Vandura gets the nod ultimately. What else can I say? It was a fun fight. Did we eat our, our words a little? Yeah, but a lot of other people did too. I don't know. You did. You seemed to. You didn't really care for this fight too much when we were uh, talking before. Sound. I preferred the heavyweight fight on the prelims over this one. Okay. I had Rothwell and the debut. Oh gosh, and I'm blanking on his name, so I have to pull it up. Huggy Bear. Huggy Bear. Yes, the break dancer, Chris Barnett. Thank you. There you yes. go. I preferred that one overall uh, between the two heavyweight mm-hmm. fights, but since this was on the main card, it was definitely the main card fight of the night. Yeah. Uh, really nothing else to get into there. I mean, it was a good fight. Two but, guys. But ultimately, unranked guys are next for both. So Yeah, for sure. Now time for that co-main event. And who saw this one coming? Besides. Uh, <laughs> all right. We, first off, Carlos Barza, TKO's Jan Jaunan. Two minutes, 58 seconds around number two. And, you know, this isn't going to be a knock on you when I say this. But we've, this is just showing where we were at with this fight, where most people were at with this fight. If Carla Esparza was to win this fight, everyone thought she was going to just kind of grapple her way to a decision. Decision. And if you think otherwise, you're crazy, except, except. for one of our friends who in our UFC group chat had predicted Carla Esparza to win via second round KOTKO. And, and what Dominic, does my dumbass do? <laughs> Dominic goes, I will bet you $5 or I will give you $5 if Carlos Barza wins via second round knockout. In a dollar in general, if she just gets a KOTKO. Because <laughs> literally, Carla has not had a stoppage victory in the UFC since her first UFC fight against Rose Namajunas. And that's not a knock to her. She's a very great wrestler and a great fighter. <laughs> yeah. But she destroyed Yan Nan last night. This this fight was wild Domination. to watch. Yan Nan has looked literally impeccable since she's came in Six has she has she played it pretty safe yeah i mean a lot of decisions but hasn't really lost many rounds has really been a step ahead of all the competition and then she comes up here against carlos Sparza, and i really thought she might be able to do the same here to her and Sparza, within the first 20 seconds of both rounds gets her down keeps her there for the entire round or as long as it lasted ground and pound Beat the shit out of her. Hey, I scored the first round of 10-8. And that second one would have went there as well if it didn't get stopped. Dude, when she locked in the crucifix, I, I started walking to get my wallet to give our buddy five bucks <laughs> because I knew it. As soon as that crucifix was locked in, Jan was just trying to power out. She had no get-ups, technical get-ups. was just trying to power through. Carla's way too strong. I, Again, I we talked about that. It. Yeah, I, we I, talked I, about it on Friday too. Carla is small, quote-unquote, in terms of like – her height and reach, but she's very physically strong and an elite level grappler for this division. And it showed how great she was. Absolutely impeccable performance. Her honestly to date best performance inside of that UFC octagon outside of winning the inaugural championship uh, against Rose Namajunas, man. She looked incredible. You know what? I'm just going to say it. I wasn't too sure, even though this is looked at as a title eliminator, Coming in, I wasn't too sure if I was gonna say that's what's next for the winner, but Carlos Barza made such a statement. Oh, and considering she's already beat the champion, yep, you have to give it to her. You have there's a storyline, we love it. Rose Namajunas is next for the strawweight title, yes, that's what's next. There's no you cannot convince me otherwise. This is five wins in a row now for Carla, and now a stoppage win over an undefeated UFC fighter in Yan Jianan. Uh, she's the only, or she was the inaugural strawweight champion. That fight was against Rose Namajunas. She stopped Rose Namajunas to win that belt and to have the back and forth journey since when she lost the belt to Joanna, the back and forth wins and losses. Now putting this win streak together, a career resurgence. We love everything about it. There's storylines for days. Carla, the cookie monster Sparza is fighting for gold next. Damn it. Is she, is there ever been another fighter who, she lost her belt in 2015, and now six years later is potentially going to challenge to her it again? It, Does that, that ever happen? My head? No, I couldn't tell you. I don't think it has. I mean, Especially after having so many back-and-forth fights, but then to string them all together right here, five in a row, man, good for her. This is such yeah. a feel-good story. And I, we've been seeing a lot of these lately with people winning championships that are feel-good stories. And here's Carla about to earn her way back in and – 
man, if she can cap it off by beating Rose and becoming a two-time champ, woo, man. It does so much for her legacy, and I'm just happy for her. I am. I yeah. can't help it. Rose is but next. for our loser, Yan Nan, this is a tough one. This is a yeah. tough one to swallow here. Um, I'm going with number 10, Tisha Torres. I like that. Another career resurgence. Yep, <laughs> and Tisha. Tisha's number 10. I think that's kind of necessary for her to fight pretty far back. And considering there are some women available above Tisha, but they're all coming off losses. Tisha's yeah. coming off a win, even if it was kind of an unremarkable opponent in Sam Hughes. But I think that's a really good fight. It's going to be a stand-up fight, I would imagine. Tisha has some power on the feet. Jan's got that finesse. I think that could be a really fun fight. Yeah, I love everything about that. I think that's a good stylistic fight. Uh, Tisha, another one, I think three in a row now for her. She's looking to build her way back up to this top five where she's been at before. Uh, For Jan, Nina Nunes. Uh, Nina's coming off of that loss to Mackenzie Dern uh, uh, last month or the month before. Yeah, it was in April. So she's coming off two back-to-back losses, but the loss before that was Tatiana Suarez, who everyone has lost to Tatiana Suarez. Uh, And I think – Nina is a great striker. Jan, a great striker. It would be a stand-up, back-and-forth technical battle. I think that would be fun stylistically. It gets Jan to fight back a few spots, but still fight someone top 10. Nina's number seven currently without any shifts that come from this. So I think that's a fight that would make sense, uh, a way for both uh, women to bounce back and get a win. Well said. And now it's time to talk about the main event of the evening. Uh it's a tough one for us Ohio boys to swallow. Rob Font gets the unanimous decision win over Cody Garbrandt. Rob Font's arrived. I think that's clear here. Um, you could you could say a lot about all these other you know the Marlon Rice win. You could say something. You you could say something. There's always a caveat to all these wins, right? There's an excuse you could make. But here he fought a really good Cody Garbrandt. And he showed why his boxing is the best in the division. New England cartel stand up after last <laughs> night, man. Wow. What a great performance by Rob Font. The best performance of his career. Finish or no finish. This dude put on a striking clinic against one of the other best strikers in this division. I, I can't say enough about Rob Font, to be truthful with you. What a great performance. And in the first round, facing adversity, Cody Landon, uh, easy takedowns kind of that new look, Cody. We haven't seen him wrestle that much in a while. Partially, I think he wrestled more because he realized how good Rob was very early on in the striking battles. It's true. And uh, Rob, while showing weak takedown defense, was able to at least get back up. The second round, he began to sprawl way more. And from there, Cody gassed, quote-unquote, at least not like he couldn't fight for five rounds because it went five rounds, but he completely went away from the the wrestling. It ended up being – Rounds three, four, five, all striking, and man, it was all Rob Font from rounds two through five. To be honest, all Rob. Yeah, I personally scored it four to one, and um, yeah. there's a lot you can take away from Cody's performance too. Here, uh, the, he did look to wrestle like we kind of hoped he would. Um, his striking, honestly, like I really thought his speed would give Rob more trouble, and it just never did. It really didn't. Rob was just completely composed on the feet. Yeah. Really showed the levels to the striking. But Cody was getting those takedowns with ease, and that's yeah. going to be Rob's biggest trouble when he gets into this these you know these literally title fights. I mean, against guys like Jan and Aljo, who and even TJ Dillashaw. I mean, those are guys who are really good with takedowns. Well, even and, in the fight against Marlon, taken down super early, yeah. easily did find his way back up. But that's like been said, that's been what saved him is that he yeah. gets up so easy without even really getting much damage dealt to him. Right. However, um, that was Cody's biggest weapon was those takedowns. Wasn't quite able to do enough with them when he got them and wasn't able to get enough of them to make too much of a difference. And you made a point, really starting round two, Cody looked tired. Yeah. And I don't want to take anything away from Rob Zoolin here because it's going to come off like I am. No, we're not. But let's be clear, this has probably got something to do with the – Hanging over, hang over like uh, COVID symptoms. Cody did was dealt, kind of. Yeah, Cody was dealt a very bad hand when it came to COVID. I mean, he had blood clots. He, he had uh, pneumonia, pneumonia, like really bad symptoms. 
Um, and it's just, you know, this is a guy who went five rounds with Dominic Cruz and looked like the fresher of the two at the end. He, he's literally never looked tired in the UFC. And then here it's in round two. He's immediately feeling it. And you just yeah. are like, wow. So because of that, I do want to see Cody take some more time off, I hope. I mean, it sucks because you want to keep, you want to see him keep fighting to try to regain regain some of that uh, momentum, keep a spot at the top, you know. But it's just clear that he's still not fresh. He's still not ready. Um, and, and for those saying he doesn't have a chin, by the way, that's no longer a narrative, let's be yeah. honest here, because Rob was hitting him with everything in the kitchen sink, and Cody was eating and firing back as much as he could. I was happy to see Cody was more composed here, was more patient. He never got into um, a firefight. Yeah. yeah. So I, I definitely think there's some positive takeaways, but all in all, Rob Bont, he has arrived. He has oh. shown that he is in the elite bantamweights of the world, and that's why next for him is going to be, in my opinion, the, it's it's a little weird right now because yeah, yeah yeah it looks like Aljamain will be defending against Peter Yan in November yeah and then we got a big fight between T.J. Dillashaw and Corey Sandhagen happening next month or uh, rescheduled it for July twenty fourth July okay the winner of that fight will probably fight the winner of Yan and Aljo yeah I agree so I'm gonna say that Font fights. The loser, the loser. Yeah. of Sanhagen Dillashaw. There's not really another fight that would make sense for Rob yeah. because it's a guy that wants to fight up. He knows he's right there, but um, I did get to catch his post-fight presser, and he even alluded and said, like, it's kind of in lingo right now because it looks like it's probably going to be Sterling and uh, Jan in the rematch because it's not long enough to make an interim title, which I'm okay with. I'm I don't want to see interim titles if we don't need to have them. So November's eight eight months after their first fight. That's not awful. So, yeah, take some time here. You, you did, at the end of the day, have a five-round fight where he did get hit by Cody. So crap, shout out to Rob Font, too, for having a strong chin because he was taking heavy shots that a lot of people don't take from him. So take some time here. Let this division play out in front of you. The loser of uh, Sanhagen and Dillashaw makes uh, a million percent since for uh rob font well that's a big number there i don't know where i was going with that but it was too late to revert so <laughs> now we got cody garbrandt uh and most importantly i want to see him take time take time take time he's got two directions here yes and he that was win at, or lose <laughs> yeah i mean he stays at bantamweight or he drops down to flyweight like he previously was looking to do which one do I think he's going to do? I think he's going to go to flyweight. Yeah. Um, because I, I have a feeling that Davis and Figueredo is about to go up. Uh, <laughs> so uh, because of that, I think Cody's about to go down. Yeah. But and, can I pose a question to you? Yeah. Do you think since he lost to Rob, he can't bounce in straight to flyweight title fight? Right or wrong? Oh, he will. Oh, I'm sure he will. You think so? I think he'll probably, if I'm if I'm being honest, just what I think is going to happen. You got that really anticipated uh, rematch between Davison and Moreno coming up. Um, I think win or lose, that could be the last time we see Davison at flyweight. I don't know for sure. You know, he might stick around a little longer. Um, but the winner of that fight, I think, might fight Cody Garbrandt next. I think he might pass Askar Askarov for a flyweight title fight. Oh, that dude's going to be pissed. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I, right. I don't know. He he might take enough time though off to where he's not fighting till next year. Yeah, so it plays because out of that, anyway. Askar yeah. might get the next shot anyways. But I foresee him going down the flyweight. But if he stays at bantamweight, I'm just going to throw out an option there. Number seven, Frankie Edgar. Ooh. Both guys that need to take some time off. I of course you know I I've been talking about it for a while how much I want him to fight Jose Aldo. Aldo's booked now. Yeah, I can't so do that. So I go with another legend, Frankie Edgar who I also needs to take some time off. So, How about another guy that's uh, facing some adversity right now in his Bantamweight career? A guy you're a big fan of, Noah Marlon Marais, number six. Mm. Now both guys coming off the losses. Would be a barn burner of a fight, I'd have to imagine, on the feet. Stylistically, though, Marlon, (laughs) a good grappler, good Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Cody, as we saw, obviously we knew he could grapple, but he showed it for the first time in a while against Rob Font. If he can recover, get those lungs back under him to full capacity like we've seen against 
Dominic Cruz, for example. I think him and Marlon Marais would uh, honestly be another fun uh, fight night headliner, to be truthful. But either way, regardless the way they're looking in their career pass, a fight with them makes sense, whether it's three or five rounds, if Cody stays at 135 pounds. What do you think he's going to do? Well, I told you this off recording, so I might as well say it now, huh? And I said it all night last night. Cody looks small to me. And maybe it was just because Rob Font's big. I mean, the reach was like <laughs> six inches difference between the two. But yeah. Rob just looked – I don't know what it was, man, but Rob looked way larger. And I've never felt that way about Cody. I knew he doesn't walk around much heavier than like 140, 145. So him cutting to flyweight is not significant. But he looked like a flyweight in there fighting against Bantamweight, if I'm being honest. So he's talked about it for a while. The title fight was there for him if he hadn't gotten COVID. I maybe agree with you here. I think I'm going to go 60-40. Maybe he goes down to a flyweight next, man. I wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But uh, that's going to wrap it up here for our results and recap of UFC Vegas 27. Let us know your thoughts on these fights and – um, you know, did you did you foresee Rob Font getting a big win here, or were you thinking Cody Garbrandt was going to bounce back? Is Carla Esparza next for Rose Namajunas? Is that going to be her first title defense? You all better say um, yes. <laughs> uh, besides that, though, um, looking ahead, since this is Monday, we do have a Wednesday episode coming up for you guys. It's going to be the next edition of MMA Reddit Roundtable, the new series. We debuted it last week. Go watch the first part of that if you haven't. Got some good uh, feedback from some people. They enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, so this will be the second time we're doing that. There will not be a Friday episode this week because there's no UFC event on Saturday. Um, But we'll talk more about the week after in the next episode probably. So uh, just be on the lookout for Wednesday's episode. But until then, Dominic. Tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Diesely14. And more importantly, find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore M-M-A podcast. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NTBaker underscore. If you go there and go to my bio, there is a link there to our link tree which provides you with the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with the social media platforms for the below average Joes. Also, there's a couple links on there for the anchor page. First, leaving a voice message. If you have a thought about an upcoming fight, a news story, if you just want to say hi or tell us we're a piece of shit, do it there. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. Making additions like these, like moving the video, they don't come easy. We try to make it as easy as possible. This is true. But, uh, <laughs> But uh, I can't, I can't uh, tell you guys anymore about, you know, if you donate us some money, maybe we'll become a video podcast because now we're here. We, we made the commitment. We made the yeah. job. What are we going to do? Build a damn studio or something now? I don't know. <laughs> well, if you would like to see us, <laughs> if you would like to see us make some upgrades, uh, feel free to support us there. Uh, we'd really appreciate it as we're still trying to grow this thing and uh, make as much improvements as possible. But that's it. We're out, and we're going to see you all on Wednesday.